Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Join us today as we're talking about all-sufficient grace, and today we're going to talk about quickening grace. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, the grace of God brought you that message, but the moment you say yes to the gospel, all of a sudden you become alive on the inside. Quickening, life-giving grace is given to you. Let's go to the Word of God together and be blessed. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. All five days of this week, I'm teaching on the subject of the grace of God, calling it all-sufficient grace. And finding out that grace doesn't stop when we get born again, it continues on day after day after that. In fact, the Bible says in the book of James, he gives more grace. So the more grace we're taking up is not only salvation, but after that, ever increasing grace in our life. And guess what? We will be under grace throughout all of eternity. Let me just break down the different sections of it, okay? There's five different types of grace found in the New Testament. There may be more than that, but this is the five I have found. First of all is convicting grace, and that's what we talked about last time when I was on here, convicting grace. And this comes from the hearing of the gospel. The gospel itself carries the grace of God, and that grace ministers to you and convicts you. Grace has to be received. Understand that? God offers so much in grace, in fact, just about everything in grace, but it's up to you to receive it. So, from the hearing of the word of God comes convicting grace, and that convicting grace comes on the one that's listening, and they have to make a choice one way or the other. They choose to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, then the next thing that happens is the second type of grace, which is quickening grace, and that's what we're gonna talk about today, the grace of God that literally gives us eternal life. Quickening means to bring to life, and so this happens at the acceptance of Jesus as our Lord. Number one, convicting grace, God gives you the gospel, somebody ministers, somebody witnesses, to you. You read a pamphlet, you watch TV broadcast, and all of a sudden conviction comes over you. That doesn't mean you're saved. It means you have to accept it. But once you do, comes quickening grace. And this again is the giving of eternal life inside of us. The third one is living grace. And this one gives us spiritual growth. Again, this is the more grace that God promised us day after day and the provisions that God has given to us and protection for our life. So the third one is living grace. After that, at the end of our life comes dying grace. In fact, we actually die in the grace of God and he in his love and grace carries us from this side to that side into heaven. And then we go into eternity where we'll be forever and forever. And this is called surpassing grace. Everything about the grace of God literally surpasses anything we could imagine. Think about it, it will go on forever and forever. In other words, what I'm telling you is there is no limit to the grace of God, no end to the grace of God. You'll find out when you get to heaven that you'll still be learning new things a billion, two billion, 10 trillion years from now. You'll still be seeing great things that you have never seen before and find out the grace of God has no limitations. So uh, I want you to turn to Titus chapter two while you are what I'm teaching out of is my uh, ser series called Types of Grace, and this is available to you. And so if you'd like to have a copy of this at the um, break of the broadcast, we'll tell you how that you can have this. 
and you'll be blessed by it. So that actually this gets into more than what I'm just teaching here on this broadcast and you'll be blessed by it. And so listen, I want to speak to those who are my partners. Thank you again for becoming my partners, for being such a blessing to me. I mean, there's those that occasionally watch and they tell me how blessed they are. They say, I don't get to watch it every day, but I, I watch as often as I can. I have others that say, I watch it, then go back and watch it again. You know, they'll be on YouTube or something. I'll just watch it again. And this, I take notes off of it and hear things the second time I didn't hear the first time. And thank you for the compliments and all that. But there's other ones too that go beyond that and say, you know what? I want to become a partner with you. And I don't just want to occasionally give. I want to hook myself up to you and you can depend on my monthly giving. And some people apologize. They can only give, you know, $10, $15 a month. Listen, if it's the widow's might, think about this. If we had a million widows, how much would be coming in? A hundred thousand widows that we're giving. It's not the size of the offering. It's the size of your heart toward God. And what God is looking for is not equal offerings, but equal sacrifice with each one of you. What can you do? That's all I'm saying. What can you do? What can you fit in? You're going to find out that what you fit in later on, God's going to increase that and you can increase the giving here also. So again, I simply recommend that. And so uh, you can go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. Today, I'm talking about quickening grace, but we start with convicting grace, and this is what we talked about on the last broadcast. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Notice the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And uh, the, the grace of God that brings salvation Again, notice this, it brings it, but doesn't force it down your throat. I like to think of it this way. God is sovereign and we're sovereign. And there's been such teaching that really, you know, our sovereignty doesn't count. It's all God's sovereignty and God sovereignly handles everything. Even your salvation, you have no choice. He sovereignly chooses you or doesn't choose you for salvation. That is not true. God's sovereignty probably covers about 99% of the, of the process of you getting saved. He's the one that arranged for Jesus to go to the cross. He's the one that, that offers eternal life. He's the one that packages, brings it to you, even had Jesus sit down at the right hand of the Father, but he's waiting on your choice, your sovereignty. So God goes all the way up to the point of actually presenting it to you, and you have to say yes or no. And so, again, if you say yes, that's your sovereignty saying yes. If you say no, that's your sovereignty saying no. But of course, God wants you to have yes, because how could you turn down such a great deal as our salvation? So all grace, again, I'm talking about this, all grace is ministered by the Holy Spirit. I'm recapping a little bit from last broadcast. All grace is ministered by the Holy Spirit. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 says this, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Notice that grace in the Old Testament was still coming through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, one of his major ministries is always to bring the grace of God to us. And so he's the one who convicts us. He's the one that brings convicting grace to us. So again, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of grace throughout the word of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, of rejection of Jesus, Christ. He also uh, convicts us of righteousness and coming judgment. And all this is wrapped up usually within the presentation of the gospel, that these things begin to come. And you realize something here. I've been put here to the test. I need to know 
if I'm going to accept Jesus or not. Apparently, there's consequences for not doing it, and there's great rewards for doing it. So all this stuff comes to you. If I accept him or if I reject him, what's going to happen? Well, I can gain righteousness, I, and I can gain God's uh, favor on me, or else I can face his judgment one day. And all this comes back again to it. John chapter 16 tells us this in verses 7 through 11. Here's what it says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. This doesn't mean their adultery and fornication, all the other types of sin there are in this world. No, the sin here is singular and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. There's only one sin the Holy Spirit really convicts of, and that is rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You say, well, as a born again believer, I know the Holy Spirit convicts me for certain things. That's really your heart convicting you. Yes, it's in line with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to say the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with it. As far as the convicting side of it, the Holy Spirit convicts of one sin, and that is rejection of Jesus because it's the only sin Jesus did not die for on the cross. He died for the fornication. He died for the adultery. He died for the stealing and lying. All that he died for on the cross, be left one sin up to you for you to judge. Because if he would have judged that one on the cross, everybody would be automatically saved and not have any voice in it. But he leaves that up to your sovereignty, your choice. So here we have in the verses of scripture again, he will convict the world of sin, singular, of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my father and I will see you no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Our witness to the world comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the, when we witness to people, the same convicting grace comes on them and they get convicted. What is, it's not me doing it. I'm presenting a message that carries conviction with it. And that is, will you accept Jesus Christ or will you not? First Corinthians chapter two, verses four and five, uh, Paul said, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul was here referring to two things. Number one, his words were powerful, but number two, he came with signs and wonders. And signs and wonders are also used to convict the world because there's times when Jesus for days at a time would heal people. At the end of that, it says, and many believed on him. So it carries a conviction when you see righteousness at work in front of you, whether it's the righteousness of preaching the word of God or the righteousness of presenting signs and wonders, it brings the fact that conviction comes with it. Conviction of my life, conviction of my rejection of Jesus Christ, and I have a choice to make. Thank God God gives us years to make those decisions. And I can reject him and later on accept him. I can reject him and reject him and reject him. And just before I die, I can accept him. I do not, I do not at all adhere to the fact that you should wait till the end of your life and have all the enjoyment you want out of the flesh and the world's way. And then finally at the end, accepting, you have no idea how much longer you can be on this earth. And on top of that, you're missing out a lifestyle of happiness and joy in this earth, in the middle of the devil's world. You can have the joy of God inside of you and rub it in the devil's face. I love to do that. So again, it comes back to it. First Corinthians chapter two, verses four and five said that again. I want to requote that. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of the power 
of God. So I want to wait till the break comes along here in just a moment and talk to you next of all about faith is a gift of God's grace. Even the faith we use to accept God's grace comes from the Holy Spirit working inside of us. In the meantime, again, I just want to thank all of you who have been faithful watchers for all this time. There's many things we're getting ready to go into in the next days to come, in the next months to come, in the years to come. And I want to be thankful for to God, first of all, but next of all to you. God brings the call, but God speaks to people to support that call. God doesn't just rain down finances from heaven and God doesn't just do all these things around me simply because he loves me so much he just pours it out on me. He pours most of it out through people, through support, through, through love, through prayer, all these different things. And for those of you who are supporting me financially, thank you. But I wanna just simply tell you, if you have no money, why don't you just pray for this? Make me part of your daily prayer request before God and lift me up in prayer and ask God that hearts be open to receive the word of God, whether those be sinners that accept Jesus as Lord and Savior watching this broadcast, or if those people be sick or whatever they may be, they will receive from this broadcast and your prayers have a lot to do with it. You think about Jesus on the cross and Jesus on the cross, the first statement he made out of his mouth was a prayer. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And you know what? He didn't see that come to pass in front of his eyes. He died. It was after he was dead that those soldiers in front of him received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Your prayers are eternal. There's no time limit to prayer. And those prayers that you pray can keep on being answered even after you're gone. So what I'm saying is, why don't you let some eternal things come out of your mouth? Pray for this broadcast in prayer. Pray for me in prayer. Pray for all types of new sermons to be coming because I have my eyes set on even more ahead of me and for the expansion of this broadcast. I appreciate that. I will see you right after the break, right after halftime. The awesome grace of God begins with salvation and carries us all the way through this life and into eternity. Because of the work of the cross, God's grace is absolutely free to all who will simply receive it. In this five lesson teaching series, Pastor Bob Yandian highlights the foundational Bible truths concerning four specific types of grace that God has provided for us. The topic titles are Mephibosheth, Convicting Grace, Saving Grace, Living Grace, and Dying Grace. Understanding the nature of the grace of God in each of these areas of life will help you understand the nature of His character and His unconditional love for us. To order types of grace, go to bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, 
this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, very popular verses of Scripture. But one I want to point out to you is all these things that God does for us in grace. I've got five things that I've mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast. Every one of them is a gift of God to you. But here's the important thing. Every time God offers something in grace, we need to receive it, and we receive it by faith. And people often say, my faith, my faith, my faith. Think about this for just a moment. Even your faith was a gift of God's grace. In other words, God brings you all these wonderful things and tells us to receive it, but the ability to receive all the grace that God has given is even a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God's grace. So the ability to receive grace, faith is a gift of God too. Faith rises in our hearts. Whenever we hear the gospel, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And whether that word that comes to us is the plan of salvation when a person witnesses to us, or later on being filled with the Holy Spirit, or later on walking in faith, or later on going to church or making decisions every single day, am I gonna follow God or not? The faith to do it comes from God. And God simply says, you can do it, I choose to do it. In other words, even when faith comes into your life, as you're hearing the gospel and faith starts to rise up in your heart, you need to make a choice to act on the faith, to take that faith and say, you know what? I'm going to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So here's the point. Jesus not only comes to us by the grace of God, salvation not only comes to us by the grace of God, but the ability to receive it comes from the grace of God. I know what you're thinking. No, it's my faith. No, it's a free gift of God. Once you have it, it's yours. But take a look with me here at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. How do I get saved? By faith. I put my trust in Jesus Christ and trust in his word, and I receive salvation, and that not of yourselves. What? The faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I know salvation's being discussed in this verse of scripture, and I know that salvation also is a gift of God, not of works, but even the ability to receive it. By grace, you're saved through faith, and that faith is not of yourselves, even it is is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In fact, we're told in 2 Peter chapter 1 that one of the first things that happened when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior is faith rises up in our heart. It's a foundational thing in our life that everything is built upon. It started with faith toward God, faith toward Jesus Christ, faith toward the Word of God, faith toward the promises, and on that is built all these other things. Faith is also like the mortar between all the blessings that we receive. It just unites it all together. So the faith that I have inside of me can even grow. By the word of God, my faith can grow. Our faith to receive all of God's blessings again is a gift of God. Look at this verse of scripture, Acts chapter three. This is the story of the man at the gate, beautiful, that was healed. And I want you to notice what happened after he was saved and what Peter told him. Acts chapter three and verse 16. And Peter here now talking to the man who was a lame and now has been healed and now is walking. 
Peter says to him in Acts 3.16, his name, that's the name of Jesus, his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He said this man was saved and delivered and healed by faith, but the faith came to him through God. Yes, the faith which comes through him, that's God, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Whenever Peter looked down and said, listen, silver and gold, I don't have any, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the first thing that rose up inside of him was faith. He still had to make a choice, but he acted on that faith and he, and he put all his effort into standing up and suddenly the power of God hit him. His ankle bones became strong and the Bible says he went walking and leaping and praising God. Did God heal him? Yes, but even the ability to get healed came from God. Everything comes back to the grace of God. The only thing I have to do is to make a choice to use it. In other words, I can even say when faith rises in me, nope, or I can say yes. And God simply wants to say yes, because at the end of that faith, the end of that decision is great blessings. The first one is receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and passing from death unto life. Let's talk about quickening grace. This is our subject today. And quickening grace is life-giving grace. The first one is convicting grace. When we hear the word of God, when we hear the plan of salvation, somebody witnesses to us, faith rises in our hearts. We decide to accept Jesus because why? On the inside of us, conviction has come. Conviction to turn away from the world and to turn to God. We are to repent. Repent doesn't mean you get on the ground and cry. Repent means to turn and go in a brand new direction. And so I turn my back on the world and turn my face toward Jesus Christ. Oh, there was that song we sang, I have decided to follow Jesus, the world behind me, the cross before me. And we keep on walking in that direction. There's times we actually turn around, look back on the world, and the Bible simply says, no, repent of that. Your daily sins can be forgiven, as well as all of your sins. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, daily sins can hinder you, slow you down. But if you'll just confess those sins, repent of those, you can keep on walking in total victory every day. Quickening grace is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. So turn there with me. Let's take a look at it. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6 says this, even when we were dead in trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Notice what happened. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he's made us alive together with Christ. This is quickening grace, being made alive. You're born spiritually dead. We're born attached to Adam. You know, there's teaching that goes around that, you know, when and people say this, well, when I get to heaven, that it's not the cross that's gonna matter, it's my lifestyle. And if I've lived for Jesus, the world thinks about this. If I live for good thing like Jesus has commanded, I don't have to accept him. I can just start doing good things for people because after all, the Sermon on the Mount says this is what I should be doing. The only one that can fulfill the Sermon on the Mount is someone who is born again. The world can struggle and strive and maybe do a little bit of it, but you can't continually live in it. That takes the new birth, that takes quickening grace. And so this verse says, even when we were dead in trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ. What does this mean? I was dead. You know, people have this idea when they stand before God, they're going to be judged as an individual. You are not going to be judged as an individual. And they say, because of all the good things I have done, understand this, the issue before God is not what you've done, it's what you are. You are dead. 
Well, how can I be born dead? Because you're attached to a dead tree. You are a limb attached to a dead tree. And because the tree is dead, you are dead. When you get born again, you move over. Now you're attached to Jesus Christ. In Adam, all die, but in Christ shall all be made alive. I had no choice to be in Adam. I had no choice to be born spiritually dead, but I have a choice to get out of it. And when the gospel is presented to me and convicting grace comes upon me, and I accept Jesus, there's a quickening inside of me because I'm suddenly detached from Adam and attached into Jesus Christ. In Christ shall all be made alive. And the quickening life of Jesus Christ comes to live inside of me. The verse says again, even when we were dead in trespasses, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. I am not there yet physically, but right now spiritually, God sees me in heaven sitting next to him. Our response to convicting grace, faith makes us alive. Next of all, this all occurs in a split second as we go from death to life. The analogy is when an egg and a sperm meet and life begins. There's an instant thing that happens when the egg and the sperm meet. When my faith attaches to the gospel, life happens, life begins. The Holy Spirit touches our dead spirit and now new life begins and that's why it's called the new birth. I've been born once, but then there's a time I got born again and this time unto eternal life. The first time was unto death, the second time is unto eternal life. The Holy Spirit is the one who quickens us and gives us eternal life. John 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickens, means it makes you alive, makes you spiritually alive in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. We were quickened or made alive by the Spirit. Along with the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ also makes us alive. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, the last Adam, who is Jesus, was made a quickening spirit or a life-giving spirit. So when I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, not only does the Holy Spirit give me life, Jesus Christ also gives me life. All this comes by one simple decision. The convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit says, you need to accept Jesus. And I go, okay, I accept him. And man, everything from that point on, I am covered by the grace of God for all of my life and right on into eternity. And the grace of God can keep on increasing, 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 and increasing. Why? Because God gives more grace. Every day we live, he can give more grace. So the next thing is we must accept convicting grace to be quickened by grace. Devout Jews were convicted by the Holy Spirit before Peter, and they accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's take a look at these verses of scripture. Again, devout Jews. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter came down from the upper room, Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 says, when they heard this, that's the preaching of Peter, they were cut to the heart. Guess what that means? Convicted by the Holy Spirit. These are religious Jews. And suddenly by Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, suddenly he was covered by the power of the Holy Spirit spoke a sermon that was incredible and conviction came on them. And this verse says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, they accepted Jesus. Next of all, leading Jews in front of Stephen were convicted by the Holy Spirit, but they chose to reject it. Acts chapter 7, verse 54, Stephen out in the streets preaching an incredible sermon. And it says there, when they, that is the religious leaders heard these things, they were cut to the heart, same expression, convicted by the Holy Spirit, but they gnashed their teeth at him and they were angry at him and they eventually stoned him to death. 
The Philippian jailer was convicted by the Holy Spirit and accepted. In other words, convicting grace came on him and then he accepted it and got quickening grace. Acts 16, verse 29 and 30. Then he called for a light. This was the jailer that ran the entire jail. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling. This was conviction of the Holy Spirit in front of Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was so convicted, he wanted deliverance. Agrippa was witnessed to by Paul and the Holy Spirit was on him in conviction, but he rejected Acts chapter 26, verses 27 and 28. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets Paul said? I know that you do believe that Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. What does he mean? I'm convicted all over, but I am still choosing to reject me. You almost persuaded me. Well, here's the point. It wasn't just Paul's preaching. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit coming on him, persuading him to become a Christian. He said, no, it comes back to this. The convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the moment you say yes to that, then the quickening ministry of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're made new and alive, but you have to make the decision. Many of you might've heard the gospel, but I ask you the next question. Did you receive it? You have a chance right now as this broadcast is ending to simply say yes to the Holy Spirit, yes to Jesus Christ, and accept him as your Lord and Savior. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.